Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. Praise the Lord. You know, pretty soon it's going to be Happy New Year, too. And uh, I want to take a couple moments before I share the word today to um, invite everyone, not only on a journey that we're going to go on together, because how many want to start 2020 in the right way, in the most God-honoring way? How many would say amen? Well, the right way to start the year is start by seeking God. That's the way to start the year right, start by seeking God. And um, one of the things that we do here at our churches every year in the month of January, typically starting with the first Sunday in January, we will start a 21-day fast. Amen. Some people are happy about that. And... Um, And in conjunction with the 21-day fast, I'm starting a series titled 21 Days. 21 Days of Seeking God. You know, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And along with this series, we are also going to be providing a 21-day devotional because we want to really start the year by seeking God. So get ready. And by the way, when we, when we talk about doing a fast, um, it doesn't mean that you don't eat for 21 days. There are a variety of ways that you can fast. 21 days comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel did a 21-day fast, and you can look up on the Internet um, what a Daniel fast was like. I can't do a Daniel fast because I'm allergic to some of the food that Daniel ate while he was on a fast. And so, everyone, it's different. The point is, is that you put away certain things and the same appetite that you give towards certain things, you actually channel that appetite towards seeking God. Anybody hungry for Jesus? Amen. And so get yourself ready. We will be starting this on January 5th. So we're doing a series, and right in conjunction with that, we're going to be doing a fast and giving out a devotional, and it's going to be awesome. So get yourself ready. Think about what you should give up so that you could seek the Lord. Some people give up social media. Wow. That's deep sacrifice right there for some. Some people give up watching things. Some people give up the news. Whatever it is that at times will occupy in the normal course of the year, whatever it is that occupies your time and that you say, this, I want to start the year by giving that time to getting closer to God. Pray, ask the Lord, and it's going to be um, uh, really, really an awesome. You'll see that you will not regret getting close to God because the Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Amen. All right, so let's get ready for that. 
So it's Christmas time. Aren't you happy to know Jesus? Aren't you happy to know the Savior today? Amen. If you know the Savior, you're part of the family of God. And today is the last message on the family of God series. And we've been looking at the family tree of Christ. We've been looking at how Christ came and became part of uh, uh, of humanity became part of the human scene, and we've learned a number of things uh, so far. As we focused on Joseph in the book of Matthew, we learned, first of all, that the family of God is unusual. And by unusual, we mean that, that uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily predict that the king of glory would have certain types of people in his family tree. But praise be to the living God. There's room for everyone in the family of God. How many know there's room for all of us? We can all be part of God's family. Jesus came so that we could be part of his family. We also learned that the family of God is missional. Meaning that God has a plan for your life. Part of the reason you want to fast at the beginning of the year and even now, even in the weeks to come, ask the Lord for what his plan is. Ask him, what is your mission for my life? Let 2020 be focused on fulfilling the mission and the plan of God. And we had three services last week where we were waiting upon the Lord to download that mission. When you get clarity of what your calling is, everything gets better. And when Christians are living on mission, man, they're like, it's like their lives are on fire. So get a hold of that. That's a great thing to make part of your fast, greater clarity for the Lord's purpose for your life. And now today we're going to be learning the third thing about the family of God that is really awesome, very good news. And, and I'm going to tell you right up front, the title of today's message is that the family of God is powerful. Everyone say powerful. How many praise God that the family of God is powerful? Amen. And what we're going to see is how we become a powerful people. How is it and why is it that the family of God is powerful? Today we're going to be switching our focus from Joseph to Mary. And so we're going from the book of Matthew to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. And we're going to see in this simple story an amazing example from the life of Mary on how we become a powerful people. It is God's will that we would walk in power. It is God's will that we would be enabled by God to live differently, to live according to the power of God. So we're going to go ahead and read uh, um, Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. It says... In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we know that Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel, of the, uh, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, 
you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Remember we talked about they were minding their own business and then God rushes upon the scene of their lives and downloads this incredible mission. But when God downloads an incredible mission, he also provides the power to fulfill that mission. So... Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is big. This is huge what is being declared. This mission is beyond human possibilities. This mission is beyond human capabilities. And so Mary very astutely says, how will this be? Everybody say, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, and the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she was, uh, and sh- and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. Hallelujah. And here it is. She says, I. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. The family of God is powerful. And the way we become powerful is we have to do what Mary did. And actually you'll see in a moment what Jesus did. Okay? Here's the key to becoming powerful. Are you ready? When we yield, the Spirit takes charge. When we yield, the Spirit takes charge. I want you to personalize that. Don't say when we, say when I. Everyone ready? When I yield, the Spirit takes charge. That is the lesson of the day. How do you become powerful? You yield so that the spirit will take charge. And when we yield and the spirit takes charge, then all things are possible. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're battling with, whatever the mission is, of course the mission is going to be bigger than what you could do in your own strength. If your mission is something that you can do, trust me, it's not from the Lord. How many know God's mission, God's plan for our lives is way bigger than us? 
God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond us as individuals and collectively as a people. And in order for that to really happen, we have to yield so that the Spirit can take charge. I would say, everyone please look at me for a moment. I would say that this truth is, most, is probably the most important truth after acknowledging Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Because after you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, this core fundamental principle, this core truth, it never ends. There's only one way to walk in power until we see him face to face. We have to yield and let him take charge. And so I want to pray right now, teach us to yield. Holy Spirit, come and take charge. Come on, lift your hands with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for that holy night 2,000 years ago when Christ was born. We thank you, Lord, that you sent your son to this earth and that he yielded himself to your will and he emptied himself of his glory and he took, he became a child, oh God. And Lord, it was a powerful example of how you want us to live. Lord, teach us to yield. God, release your Holy Spirit to take charge of every mind, heart, and body resident here. God, let 2020, should you tarry, be a year of our greatest yielding to the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people of the Spirit, a church of the Spirit, families of the Spirit, oh God. Let the kingdom of God flow through your people as we yield to the Holy Spirit, oh God. So bless this word, bless this time. By your mighty power, we trust you to do it. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen and amen. It's that simple when we yield the Spirit takes charge. And this is something that we have to personalize. My wife actually spoke about the Holy Spirit this past uh, Tuesday. We had an awesome prayer meeting. And, and she talked about, in a, in a lot of ways, she talked about yielding. We're talking about it again because this is the only way to naturally walk in the supernatural. There's a supernatural life marked out for us, but the way we live out that supernatural life in the natural is that we yield to the Spirit of God. So point number one, here I only have two points. Point number one is we become powerful when we yield. Okay, here's what she said. Okay, he says you're going to get pregnant, you're going to conceive, all of this incredible uh, supernatural stuff, all of this eternal stuff, all of this amazing revelation that she never would have dreamt about or even thought about for her life. God had something so much greater uh, 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 for her life and she, she's just uh, dumbfounded by the plan that God has for her. But here's what she did, which was very wise. She said, I am the Lord's servant. Okay, so let's just start there for a second. The word servant mean in the original language is doulos. Doulos 
means love slave. So when we yield, we're reminding God that we're his love slave. Is anybody a love slave today? I want to be a love slave of Jesus. Uh-oh. This is, wait a second. You mean there's more to serving Jesus than just coming to church and putting my hour and a half in? Absolutely. Way, way more than that. You see, when you become a Christian, when you become a child of God, you become a love slave. And she said, I am a love slave of God. So, so I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here. 2020, I just want to serve the Lord. Somebody want to serve the Lord in 2020? So she says, I am the Lord's servant. I'm his love slave. And here's what he says, what she says. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. Now, in the Bible... There are two different words in the original language, and you need to understand this, because if I didn't tell you, you could miss this. So there are two words in the Bible for, in, in the original language, for the word word. One is logos, the other one is rhema. Okay, logos is the truth, the highest form of truth. The highest form of living, so to speak. So in John chapter 1, when it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, that word is logos. And it's talking about the fact that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the highest form of truth. He is the ultimate truth. He is the quintessential truth. If you want to know what the truth is, look to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then there's another word, and that word is rhema. Now, the word rhema is different from logos. The word rhema is basically this. It means that God is able to take truth in general and make it immediate, personal, and powerful to your life and specific to your life or to mine. So what she's saying is, I am your servant of love. May your rhema to me be fulfilled. So here's what she's saying. She's saying, may your word be immediate, instant, and powerful to my life. If you said that I'm going to be made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, well, quicken it by your mighty power. Make it real in my life. So what she was saying here is this. Lord, whatever you have for me, make it happen and make it happen now. Now, here's why that's important, brothers and sisters. Because a lot of people start serving God, but then when God starts to bring the mission that we talked about yesterday, we're like, hold on, Lord, I'm not really ready for that. We're like, can I put this off two weeks because i got to get this promotion first. Or, or, or I want to stay in this relationship for a little while. Or I want to I wanna focus more on this hobby for a little while. Or I want to pursue this preference or this desire for a little while. And when I'm done, I know that you'll be waiting and then I'll come. But that's not what we're talking about here. Yielding means... I'm your servant, take charge. Yielding means, Lord, have your way to the point that 
even though I'm living, you're actually controlling the way I live. I yield. You know, Jesus did the same exact thing. Did you know that Jesus was with the Father and with the Holy Spirit in eternity past? And then at a certain point in time, God said, I want you to go. Look at what the, look at what the scriptures say about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. This is, this is very, very important. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Be like Jesus in this. And look at what, what it says. It says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself everyone. Nothing by taking uh, the very nurture, the nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You know, sometimes we have to humble ourselves so that we could really serve God. And we don't realize that no matter how much you humble yourself, there's no drop like the drop that Jesus made. He left the eternity. He left all of his glory to take on the form of a servant. Like I got a picture of my grandson yesterday and Jesus actually became a baby like him. I mean, think about that. Think about the most high God becoming like us because he loved us so that he could satisfy divine justice. He became one of us. You know what? That took humility. What if you had to become a baby? What if right now, as an adult, you were asked to become a baby? Imagine the, 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 the depth of what we're talking about here. But see, what Mary did was she yielded, and what Jesus did is he yielded. He literally yielded his way into the womb. He emptied himself ultimately, and he went to the cross. His whole life was yielding, and by the way, there were many times when Jesus the most high God would say, look, I can only do what the Father shows me. You know what you call that? You call that a yielded life. And so, so we become powerful when we yield. It's kind of like this. Sometimes when people are trying to teach you something physically, like there were times when I played baseball, and they were trying to teach me how to throw. And my coach, I remember this, a coach grabbing my arm and trying to show me the, the movement of the arm. And sometimes when he would grab my arm, he would say, no, let go. Because he would be pulling my arm and I'd be pulling back. You, that's, you know what I'm talking about? So he's like, no, 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 let your arm loose. Let it loose. Then he would grab it and say, see, you, you should be here. When you're, when you're at this point, you should be here. Like there was, there's all of this thing, these things that he was trying to teach me, and he would show me, but if I didn't yield, I couldn't learn. You see? And the Holy Spirit is saying, you have no idea the amazing plan that I have for your life. But listen, it's when we yield, that's when he takes charge. How many would say Amen. 
And so watch this. Look, Jesus was born in power. The Bible says he grew in power. Jesus walked in power. And it's the same for us. We are birthed by the Spirit. We grow by the Spirit. And we're enabled by the Spirit when we, everyone, yield. That's a new word for us, guys. Okay? When the Bible says his power is perfected in our weakness, I think that part of what it's talking about is that we have to learn how to that's what we got to learn. We got to learn how to yield. It means like, like think of a yield sign. I should have had one. Do you know what yield signs is? You drive up. It says yield. It means let the other person go. That right there. Oh, everybody, we could go home now after that sermon. <laughs> right? Yield means you just, you just let go. And that's what she did. All over the Bible, people became powerful when they yielded. Moses, Moses gets a sense from God that he's going to do something for God. He goes out in his own strength. He sees two guys fighting or whatever. And he ends up, I mean, he... He sees a, a, somebody being beat by one of the soldiers, Egyptian shoulders, soldiers, and he kills them. Why did Moses commit murder? Moses was trying to do what God called him to do in his own strength. So what happens? So he sends him out, and he's, he's running and escaping. Now they're after him. And, and now it takes 40 years for Moses to finally yield. And when, when he finally yields, look, don't take 40. Everybody say, don't take 40 years. Don't take 40 years. How long? Moses took 40 years. And then finally, the Lord looks down from heaven. He says, I think he's ready. So now he gives them this vision of a burning bush. And the first thing he says is, take those sandals off. Take those sandals off because you're on holy ground now. Your sandals represent where you go and where, you know, where your feet take you. He said, take those sandals off. I'm about to take you someplace holy. And he yields. And when he yields, then the greatest power on the earth at that time, now they would have to yield. You see? Because amazing things happen when we just yield. It's kind of funny because one of the biggest things that God has to do in my life and in any other person's life, he has to get us to the place where we could be weak so that he could be strong. And when we become weak and we let God be strong, how many know that's when everything changes? That's our biggest problem. I think over the years, can I tell you, over the years in ministry, especially when we started in ministry, hopefully, you know, you learn the lesson over time. But I remember starting in ministry and like coming to a place where I was just felt like I was going out of my mind. And it was like the Lord was saying, oh, you ready to give up now? 
You ready to, 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 to let me drive the car? You know, how do we know when God drives a car? Doors open, mountains are moved. Hallelujah. Manna falls from heaven. All sorts of amazing things happen when we yield. So we become powerful when we yield. And, and here's the thing about this particular story. God took a very unusual miracle to speak to his ability and his desire to take charge. So we learn that we become powerful when we yield. But see, we also become powerful when he takes charge. And so when you think about this, here's what, what, what the crazy thing about the, the virgin birth was. The virgin birth actually set the bar for what can happen when the spirit takes charge. Okay? So we become powerful not just when we say yes, but we become powerful when the spirit takes charge, when we say, have your way, and then the Lord starts to move on us. Could you go ahead and put that, that slide up for me? Watch. She says, how is this going to be? And it says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. I've been meditating on this. I want you to meditate on this truth, guys. I want you to think about the fact that when the Spirit takes charge, in a lot of ways, we're just passive. In fact, I could make a whole argument in the original language out of Ephesians chapter 5 when it talks about how the Spirit comes upon us. I'm not going to make that argument. But when we are, quote, filled with the Spirit, when the Spirit comes upon us, we're passive. We're passive. How's this going to, what do I have to do? Yield. Open up your heart and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, God is going to make you pregnant. Even though never before in history has any woman become pregnant except by joining herself to another man, now something, something unheard of and supernatural is going to take place. What's going to actually take place is God is going to make you pregnant. He's going to put a seed in you. Don't you realize today that the Holy Spirit still makes people pregnant? Pregnant with a plan, pregnant with a purpose, pregnant with a family, pregnant with a future, pregnant with a life that's going to make an impact for eternity. God wants to make you pregnant with a life that is going to change people. 
He wants to make you pregnant with a, with a testimony that's going to cause people to lift their hands and say hallelujah to the son of the most high God. Hallelujah to his name. Just by looking at you. Just by looking at you, you're like, but I was minding my own business. That's the way it happens. He just comes and he takes charge. And when the spirit takes charge, all of a sudden, listen, listen. When the spirit takes charge, all of a sudden, the things that are impossible become possible. In all of the different ways, all of the different facets, should I say, of our lives. So I want to just leave us with what the possibilities are when the Spirit takes charge. Real quickly. And by, again, again, remember, remember that the virgin birth set the bar for what God can do. If God can make a woman pregnant without joining her to another man, and we know that that is impossible, then how many know, okay, that God can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond if we just allow the Holy Spirit to come upon us. We just allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow us. And by the way, this happens in church. This happens when you pray in the morning. This happens when you're going for a walk in the park. This happens all throughout history. God met people in the desert. He met them in the city. He meets us on the rooftop. He meets us in the basement. You know, he meets us in the park. He'll meet us in the office. He'll meet you anywhere. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. You know, we're praying for this encounter week and we're praying that the Holy Spirit will come upon our young people. How many would say amen? So real quickly, when the Spirit, when the Spirit takes charge, here's what happens. When the Spirit takes charge, we can be impacted physically. When the Spirit takes charge, we can be impacted physically. Her physical body was impacted by the Holy Spirit. If you're one of those people who says, well, God doesn't heal anymore, does, is the Holy Spirit around? Because if the Holy Spirit is here, how many know cancer can, must bow down to the power of the Most High God? Could somebody say amen? And we've seen God touch people and remove cancer. We've seen God remove one disease or another disease. We, we, I, I was thinking today, I got a call from a, a friend of mine, very dear friend, his name is Mike Messner. Been a big counselor to me and to our church since the very beginning. And his grandson got pneumonia and it was going to his brain and they said this is so severe. He could get brain damage. All of these things could happen to him and he's going to have to be in the hospital for, I don't know if it was 21 days or 3 months or 90 days. I forget exactly the way the story went. And we were in prayer meeting and we lifted up our voice and cried out to God for that little guy. And we said, Lord, not 21 
21 days, not more than three days. We want him home. And on the third day, he went right home. Hallelujah. And he's doing great because God, the Holy Spirit, touches his people by his mighty power. Don't stop believing God for, for miracles and for healing. Okay? When Jesus started his ministry, this is not, listen, Jesus went, as soon as he started his ministry, here's what he did. It said, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues. He was teaching the word of God, proclaiming the good news. He was evangelizing. And thirdly, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer. And he heals by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Most High God. Could somebody say amen? If you believe that, put your hands together. Yes, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. He can touch us. He can touch us. When the Spirit takes charge, secondly, we can be impacted preferentially. We can be impacted preferentially. What do we mean by this? Here's what it means. Every single one of us has these tendencies, these unholy tendencies. If you're a human being, you have a sinful nature. We have this battle raging inside of us all the time. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Even the, even the apostle Paul said, the thing I wanna do, sometimes that's the very thing I, I don't wanna do, that's the very thing I do. Sometimes the thing I really wanna do, I don't do. You know why? Because we have a sinful nature. Okay, and, and if we don't allow the spirit to take charge, then guess what? Those unholy preferences are what dominate our lives. Pastor Simla calls them structural weaknesses. For some people, they just, they can just be, let's say, stubborn. Okay, don't, everybody just look straight at me. Don't look like, oh, I know one of those. No, no, no. Okay. Some people, their natural inclination is to be stubborn, okay? And do you know when you're a stubborn person, you miss out on so much in life because you're stubborn. But how many know the Holy Spirit can unstubborn us? Some people are selfish. Some people, the first person they think about is themselves. And so they have all of these relational dynamics and they're mostly thinking about themselves all the time. And they don't understand why they have conflict in relationships. It's because of selfishness. It's because they don't have the natural capacity to think about. Now somebody, some people always think about someone else. Okay, yeah, but that person might have a different inclination. They might be fearful and afraid. Okay, and they might, they, might be, uh, they might hesitate to do anything and they don't obey God because of fear. And being fearful can be just as disobedient as being selfish. You understand all of us have an, a bent. You could, you could line up, you could line up 25 men here and out of those 25 men, some men, they might struggle with, uh, uh, with ignoring the Bible and watching sports. Some men might struggle with ignoring the Bible and looking at something dirty. 
it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It depends on how you're formed or whatever. But the key factor is, is that the Holy Spirit is able to come upon you and literally change what you prefer, prefer so that at once you used to love things that were evil and now you hate things that are evil. He actually can change your personality, change your desires. I don't want anything to do with that anymore. How many thank God for the day that he puts a hatred in those things that are grievous to him? He's able. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and you're like, wait a second. You know, we have, we have guys who did who did. 10 years in prison or 15 years in prison, you talk to them now, you would never think that person would ever do anything remotely to get them in prison. You know what that is? The Holy Spirit came upon them and the power of the Most High has now overshadowed them. Listen, you know what changes marriages? Marriages are changed when the Holy Spirit takes charge. It's not them. You know, sometimes the biggest problem is who we are. It's us. We've met the enemy and they is us. How do you change? How do you change when you love the wrong things? When you want the wrong things, you can't change yourself. You yield. God, I love cigarettes. God, I love alcohol. God, I love to feel superior to other people. God, I, I, I love this, but here's, but you don't love it. And so, Lord, I yield. God, I love to be right, but just so happens that I always am right. I know you always agree with me, God. Mm -mm. No. God, I yield. So listen, we can be impacted physically, preferentially. Here's the last thing and then I'll close. We can be impacted productively, which ties directly to God's mission for your life. Okay, it's God's will that we would live a productive life for his glory. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Please, please receive the reality and the truth from the word of God and from the spirit of God that God has a plan for your life. Please don't wake up tomorrow morning as acting as if there isn't a mission because there is a mission. We talked about it last week. He has prepared good works for us to do in advance. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. We're supposed to be producing fruit. We're supposed to be productive for the glory of God. But there's no way to produce. See, here's the last thing. It takes power to live out the mission of God. It takes power to make a real, eternal, and pleasing difference. You ever, you ever say, man, I really want to uh, make a difference. Could I see your hands? Okay. I really want to make a difference. Just remember, it needs to be a God-pleasing difference. 
It needs to be a God-pleasing difference. The mission of God is what pleases God. And as we go into the new year, as we start our 21-day fast, the family of God is powerful, but we become powerful when the Spirit takes charge. You might say, well, I didn't have a very fruitful year. Well, get ready, get ready, because as you receive from God, as you yield, as you surrender, as the Holy Spirit takes charge, 2020 will look very different. It'll be fruit all over the place. It'll be fruit all over the place. But how does it happen? We have to pray that prayer over and over again. We have to say, Holy Spirit, take charge come on lift your hands hallelujah Jesus hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord come on everyone in the building no matter how old no matter where you've been no matter what you've done let's ask the Holy Spirit think about God sitting upon his throne and looking down and saying, now there's a hungry people there's a people who want my my spirit to take charge Hallelujah, Jesus.